The Bleed Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Guy Boston Sports Live NFL Draft Recap. We're talking about what happened last night in the first round with our NFL Draft guy, Andrew Nason. Nason, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about the draft with us once again. Always glad to be here. All right, so let's start out with some simple stuff, just reaction. Let, let me get just your overall reaction to last night, wide scoping, nothing specific, but how did you think the first round went generally? Did it surprise you a lot? Did it go pretty much how you expected? I mean, I know there were at least a few things, especially relating to the quarterbacks that didn't go how, how we all thought they were going to go and what was being reported for the last few months. Yeah, I mean, it, the draft took longer than I expected. You know, I think everyone was pretty pissed about the first two picks taking as long as they did. But, yeah. you know, in general, we didn't see a lot of movement at the top of the draft, which I thought was really surprising. We started to see those trades happen um, around pick 11. Um, but, you know, it seemed like, the, you know, my biggest surprise was that two quarterbacks fell out of the top 10. Um, obviously, Fields came off at 11 and Mack at 15. But, you know, the way the offseason's been – you know, shaping out really is it seemed like all five were going to go before possibly pick eight. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, you had a couple reaches, you had some, you know, we had some gambles, but we see that every year. The Raiders took a guy way too early. You know, that's just normal. So, you know, pretty typical draft, just, you know, those surprises you always expect, honestly. Yeah. And the quarterback thing was interesting because, you know, as the draft got closer and closer, it started to, come to my head like wow you know these quarterbacks are all going to go in the top 10 and I started thinking about the greatest quarterback classes of all time and you know you got the 83 one with uh Marino and and all those guys and the you know that the uh, Manning um uh and uh Roethlisberger that draft and Rivers and all those guys and then I even you know brought up I thought started to come into my mind now you know the Allen Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield draft I mean that's not but when it's all said and done that might sneak its way into the top 10 as well and so I, I started thinking about these these greatest draft classes of all time, and I said, man, you know, if five quarterbacks go in the top ten picks, like, that is – I know it's – you know, we have to wait for their careers to start, but that is a big, big, you know, endorsement for those guys to be, you know, a, among the greatest ever. And if we're just talking about, you know, day of the draft, it might have been, like, the most, you know, uh, the, the most hyped draft class, quarterback class ever. And it still might be, I mean, based on where they mm-hmm. were selected. But I think it had to have been expected, like, you know, even if those guys, even if it is one of the greatest quarterback classes of all time, even if it is, you know, going to end up being in that and, it, it, you know, the prospects are as good as where they were picked. It was still so hard to imagine that five guys would go in the top 10. Like, that's that's a lot. I, I, know, I know it's quarterback, 
But that is a lot for one position, five out of 10. And it was a lot as is, you know, five in the first 15. But you had to imagine that even though it wasn't reporting it that way, even though it wasn't, didn't seem like it was headed that way, that two, like one or two of those guys had to fall. I mean, based on the reporting, I actually thought it was going to be Trey Lance if someone was falling because it seemed like Mac Jones was going to the Niners at three. And it seemed like the Patriots wanted to trade it for Justin Fields. And that's the way things were going. And you didn't really hear anyone linked like strongly to Trey Lance ahead of the draft until that late push by the Niners. So it, it was, you know, it, it was hard to figure out who that was going to be because of that kind of misreporting out there. But the fact that someone uh, did surprise me because of the reporting, but in hindsight, I don't think we should have been surprised by it. No, I think the only reason we look at the draft before this and we thought that five guys are going to go in the top 10 is because of the importance we've seen with young quarterbacks and the short leash they get, you know, in the modern NFL and, you know, the fact is you have to get a quarterback and you have to move early to get them usually. So I think this shouldn't be a shock to NFL teams that it was five in the top 15, not top 10. But, you know, I think in terms of fans, we just all expect that, you know, these teams are going to be super aggressive. But, you know, they still were. I mean, we still had three guys go in the top three. You know, that's still definitely impressive. It's only happened a few times. Um, you know, but there was naturally going to be some sort of slide. It's just very interesting how – you know, we perceive quarterbacks versus how NFL teams do, I guess. What do you think of the fact that the Niners and the, or not, I shouldn't say the Niners, sorry. What, what do you think about the fact that the Panthers and the Broncos, two teams that were linked to quarterbacks a little bit, seemed like they might be headed in that direction, both passed when Fields and Jones were on the board. Do you, did that surprise you at all? The Broncos, yes. I think with the Panthers, they obviously made an investment in Sam Darnold. Not enough where, you know, it is 100% they weren't going to take a quarterback. Um, but enough where you have to give Sam Darnold a chance, and they had a chance to get a really good player there. I was expecting maybe Rashawn Slater there. J.C. Horn, they need a cornerback, and that's a hell of a pick for them. Um, with Denver, you know, I think the thing that people are forgetting is last year was a really weird year with COVID. Um, Drew Locke didn't get a real offseason, you know, as going into his starting year. A lot of new weapons on that offense, you know, with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton went down. You know, Drew Locke showed a lot of talent in his la- the second half of the 2019 season, and he showed flashes last year. So I think with the Broncos, A, maybe they just didn't feel strongly enough about Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I mean, I, I would disagree um, in terms of Fields. But, you know, they might have just looked at it and said, hey, we have a chance to get a really good corner. You know, maybe they were really high on Patrick Sertan in this case. You know, they definitely need corners in that division with all the wide receivers they're going to be dealing with and the quarterbacks. Um, But I think they might just believe in Drew Locke, and it might be just they're going to give him one more shot. You know, a full offseason. I know they're going to be doing a lot of virtual stuff still, but, you know, he's going to have Jerry Judy seasons. He's going to have K.J. Hamler nice and seasoned. The offensive line's going to be able to get together again. Um, He's got Albert O and Noah Fant at tight end and Cortland Sutton coming back. Melvin Gordon. You know, they they added to this. They're going to be able to still add to this team, this defense. Von Miller's coming back. You know, they might just believe, hey, we have a shot to compete here. Let's not start over the quarterback yet. You know, worst case, we go into this with Drew Locke and he sucks. Vic Fangio gets fired and we move on um, and they'll be picking high next year. So we'll see. But I think they just truly believe that they're going to give Drew Locke one more shot. So I get it. Yeah, and I just I don't understand that. I mean, look, I I, I get that Drew Locke. Is, there's still some things to like about Drew Locke, but I was never 
a Drew Lock guy, and I still consistently haven't been. And I, I brought up like last year against the Raiders, he threw what four or five picks in that game. Like, and I, I get you wanting to to have a little bit of a leash, uh, a little bit of a long leash on a young guy, let him make mistakes, let him grow. But like after that game, I was like, okay, no, like no, you have to get rid of Drew Lock. And I understand they had some injuries last year. But the weapons on that offense, like they should have, Drew Locke should have been better than he was. Yeah, I understand he's starting. Tim Patrick was just coming into himself. So I, I'm just saying, you know, it was a, it wasn't the ideal situation for your second year quarterback. To I mean, with. it was pretty good though. I mean, Hamler, Judy, Fant, Gordon, Lindsay, like they have a ton of weapons on that offense. And if Sutton was healthy, it would have been an even different story because yeah. then you're talking about all kinds of you yeah, know some stuff to use, some weapons to throw to. I think the point is just they're young. You know, that's the thing. They're young and they're, you know, they're kind of coming together as a unit. So what happens when you give them that extra year together to develop and, you know, grow that chemistry? Because it's two rookies who came into minicamp, you know, they couldn't do any voluntary offseason workouts. They couldn't do anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I understand that. And I understand they're still young. I still think that in the NFL, a lot of times it's it's not like, you know, other sports where it takes a while for guys to grow. In the NFL, some guys, especially, in the, you know, the fact that you have to spend three years in college plays into this a lot. But a lot of guys just jump in, hit the ground running. And if they're going to be great, they're really good right away. And so, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just I don't I'm not a Drew Locke guy. And if I was the Broncos with that those weapons like i i think that situation would have been perfect for justin fields like to walk oh, in have all those guys to throw to and i really didn't think they were taking a quarterback after they traded for teddy bridgewater because to me it just doesn't make sense to have drew lock and bridgewater and a rookie like that's I, like you can have three quarterbacks but usually you don't have three quarterbacks that you could argue all three of them could realistically start and like that that's a little bit too much it's you know so I didn't think they were going to do it after they took Bridgewater, but when Fields was available to them and they didn't pull the trigger, I, like that really, really annoyed me because, you know, I, I think obviously I wanted them in New England too, so it didn't annoy me too much. But as a, as a neutral NFL observer, I looked at it and I said, you know, that would have been perfect for him. And to fall to instead uh, Chicago trading up, like that's the antithesis of, of the situation. And they have Allen Robinson, so it's not all bad. But that Chicago offense – and who knows how much of it was Trubisky and Foles and whatnot, but it's it's a lot it's a lot less appealing to me than what the Broncos have to offer. Like it's really Allen Robinson, and that's kind of it. So you know, I I I don't love the fit there for Fields. I think there were a number of teams I would have rather seen him go to that would have been better fits situations for him. But you know, Chicago is they needed a quarterback, and it'll be you know interesting to see what the what's going to happen there with him and Andy Dalton, if he's going to start right away, if Dalton's going to start right away. Cause I, I know, you know, we hear this every single year when any team's drafts a quarterback, they, for the most part, you know, Lawrence, they never want to hand the reins to them right away. So it's like, you know, the, the incumbent is the starter, you know, Tyrod Taylor is the starter over J- Justin Herbert or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter over two or whatever. And then eventually it gets halfway through the season. And you're like, all right, we'll start the rookie, you know? So or your team director stabs your guy in the lung. So yeah, so I, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, think that you know, just because they're saying Andy Dalton's still the starter and the Patriots saying Camden's still the starter, that stuff's going to hold true. But even still, you know, I, I would have some serious reservations about throwing Justin Fields in there. I just don't think they're going to have a choice, and I think that's going to be really bad for Justin Fields in year one. Yeah, I mean, if they can help the offensive line in the second and third rounds, that'll be helpful. I think people sleep on David Montgomery a little bit. Um, I think he 
he has some potential. He showed a lot of flashes last year and year two, I think, for him. Obviously, Allen Robinson helps. Cole Komet is an emerging tight end. So I don't think it's the worst situation. I mean, the fact is, Ryan, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy had to make this move. They, they are fighting for their jobs, and they could not realistically go into the year with Andy Dalton as their main quarterback. Um, Chicago fans would have revolted. So this, I mean, I, I think, you know, we'll talk about some other great picks, but this is one of the best picks of the draft, you know, in my opinion, just them moving up, not only saving their jobs, but giving Chicago some hope. And they got quarterback two as the fourth one off the board out of the top 10. And you gave up one first round pick and what, like a fifth and a fourth, maybe like that's, that's chump change for a guy like Justin Fields. So just yeah. good move by them, and we'll see. I mean, I think he might be one of the top fantasy quarterback rookies next year, you know, depending on when he starts, and I don't think Andy Dalton's going to have a long leash. So, you know, my fantasy advice for people, if you're looking for a guy to keep on your watch list or maybe a, you know, draft and stash kind of guy for late in the year, Justin Fields will be the guy. Um, you know, a couple good weapons, and I think they're going to use his legs a lot more than Ohio State did. Like, remember, this guy is a pass was a pass-first guy who can run in the 4-4s. Four he didn't run that much at Ohio State. You know, he had his moments, obviously, but honestly, I think they could have used him more in the running game. I'm glad they didn't personally. It kept him healthy, but, you know, that's just a lot of upside for him. Yeah, it's interesting because, and I know, you know, moving up two spots is different from moving up eight, but the pick before you see, you know, the Eagles jump two slots for, for just a third. And then one pick later, you see it costs a fourth, a fifth, and another first to move eight slots. And, like, I thought it was a little much giving up another first, especially because – you got Chicago's, Chicago's in a tough division. I mean, not, besides the Lions, like the Vikings and Packers are, are both should be really good next year. Uh, and I know the Vikings were a little bit down last year, but I mean, it's not going to be easy for them to, to make the playoffs again. I, I, you know, I really don't think so. So I, I think that that could easily be a pick that's, you know, pretty low again. And if that's the case, then, you know, Chicago just gave up, you know, another first round pick. And when, it, you know, a situation would have played out where who, who knows, you know, what, I, you know, I, I guess the, the real question is what, you know, who were the Patriots really interested in Justin Fields and were they really targeting him? Because I have to imagine that's what the, you know, the Bears had their eyes set on and they were like, OK, well, we need to jump the Patriots here to make sure that they don't trade up for uh, for Fields. You and, also hear Washington is sitting there, too. They might be they might have been looking to make a move. Who knows? Yeah, it's just I mean, when you when you compare it to the deal that happened right before, it's it's. A, a lot steeper and you know like I said I understand there's a there's a big gap there's a sizable gap there but another first like I I, I would have hesitated there a little bit I think that they should have been able to at least you know I don't know hold off for another pick get it for a second like I, I, you know and, and if Justin Fields works out like you said I mean it's because it might come down to the player like the fact that they're moving up for a quarterback that could yeah. raise the price a little bit he's got um, top five quarterback in the NFL potential and yeah. If you look at it, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. I don't think he's going to be there next year, honestly. I mean, with his demeanor, I don't be I wouldn't be surprised. You have Jared Goff in that division and Kirk Cousins. Within two years, Justin Fields could very, very easily be the best quarterback in that NFC North if great if Aaron Rodgers is obviously gone. So if that happens, it's worth a first rounder. No one's going to care about that. You got up and secured your guy. And, you know, I think that's what I would have – I wanted to see the Patriots do it. Even if we had to move up four spots, I would have given up first at that point. I just think it's it's worth it when you can get a guy with this much upside for that kind of value too. So, no, you're my, right. For me, hats if, off to Chicago. 
Yeah, you're right. If Fields works out, then it's it's 100 worth it. There's no there's no question about that. It, you know, in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's if you get a quarterback, you give up pretty much anything. So we'll see. And I mean, you know, we talked about Fields' fall a lot. You know, this and this was a guy that at one point was projected to be the second pick in the draft. So to, I think for any team to get him outside of the top 10, like they they had to have felt good about yeah. that because I'm I'm sure there's some teams out there that did still have number two on their big board. I think it was few and far between whether Chicago was one of those, who knows. But I think that, you know, clearly there was a time when people, you know, valued Justin Fields a lot more than they did on draft night. And, you know, if Chicago still does, they have to feel great about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about some of these other uh, things that happened in the draft. I mean, this, this transitions nicely into the Patriots uh, and, and what they did. I mean, the, the thing that would surprise me about this is I would be, you know, I understand that the need for a quarterback and kind of the, you know, the, the unpredictability of it to an extent of like, okay, well, we have these guys graded, you know, here and, you know, we think that they're, they could both be okay, but we don't know for sure. So let's take whichever one falls to us. But I still have a hard time imagining, like when you're scouting a quarterback, you have to like have the, the mindset of, okay, we, you know, we, uh, pretty much think if, if, if we have targeting this specific guy, I, I find it very hard to believe in the draft that you would be like, okay, we'll just take whoever at that position. So that leads me to believe that I don't, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to accept the fact that they were so close to being able to get Justin Fields. They could have made that move up the board, you know, with the Cowboys. Let's say they gave the Cowboys the 15, uh, a 15 in the se- their second round pick this year. That should have got it done. Even you know, second round pick next year, whatever you wanted to trade, like if the, the, all the uh, all the, the Eagles gave up was a third. So they sh- that should have been able to get it done. And if again, like we talked about with with the Bears, if you know two firsts of Justin Fields going to hit, it's absolutely worth it. So to me, it's hard to accept the fact that if it's true that the Patriots actually wanted Justin Fields, but they just took Mac Jones because they weren't willing to give up an extra second to to move the board yeah. to get Fields, like that would be a little much to me. Yeah, that's the disappointing part for me. And that's why I'm not happy about how last night went as a Patriots fan, because we only had to get up four spots. Realistically, you know, I think we could have easily outbid Chicago in terms of, you know, going at the Giants with an offer. But this is Belichick. He, the arrogance of Belichick that I can't stand, he holds on to this draft capital. He doesn't want to trade up and, you know, I know he's done it in the past a few times, but he doesn't trade up early. And it's just, it's ridiculous to me. But even forget, you... even forget outbidding Chicago, like think about just trade, like outbidding uh, the Eagles for that, for that, yeah. you know, 11th pick, like, cause that's a much steeper, that's a, that's a um, yeah. much less of a price, you know? And I imagine that if you're the giants, what appeals to you about that trade is like, okay, well, we think, you know, Devonte Smith's off the board. Yeah. We think we can get, you know, uh, the same guy brilliant trade by Dallas, by the way, just brilliant yeah. trade by them. They knew that, you know, Philly was coming up for Devonte Smith and they moved back two spots, pick up a third and they got the best defender in the class. So yeah, it's a great move by them just to start off. Yeah. And, it, it, and fantastic, but uh, still, I mean, they, they are possibly could have gotten that same player at 15. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the Vikings took, you know, the Vikings traded down and, and, uh, I think who was it that traded up for uh uh that was the, the Jets. They went for yeah. Perry Tucker. Another yeah, great right. move for them, by the way. Great move yeah. to pair him with Zach Wilson. Absolutely. So I mean, really the, the you could argue the Cowboys could have got that same guy at 15 and picked up a second instead. And at the same time, 
not helped out one of their division rivals well you know also hurting one of their division yeah. rivals so it was i understand that the equation there it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend and that's the reason they made the trade with philly but even still i you know i imagine if i was dallas and the option is 13 and a third or 15 and a second i'm taking 15 and a second so you know, I, I I really think that, you know, you don't even need to to make the, the math work with, with the Chicago one of saying, well, should the Patriots have given it to first? They probably wouldn't have had to. They probably would have only had to give up a second. And that's why I have to think that they actually didn't want Justin Fields. Because if they did and they didn't go up and get him, that's disgraceful. Yep. No, I agree. And, you know, I'll say just on Dallas with, you know, taking offers like that, you know, I think it's risky in the NFL draft when you move down a lot because there is never a guarantee that you're going to get your guy. Who knows? Maybe Vegas comes up and gets Parsons, you know, ahead of them at 14 or something. So I don't blame him for that part, but no, I agree with you. It's disgraceful that the Patriots, again, it's the arrogance of Belichick. He doesn't think that he needs this guy with all these tools and the upside who, by the way, would be perfect learning behind Cam Newton. Like this would be the perfect transition for Justin Fields. This is a system that he can be successful in. But no, Belichick is, as Paul Feinbaum is saying today, apparently, he's lazy. He's he's going to sit back there. He covets his draft capital too much. We have 11 picks. We can move some of these things. You know, we're not, we don't need 11 players. We need a quarterback, a good quarterback. And he's going to sit back and take Matt Jones. I know he's buddy-buddy with Saban. And, you know, I... I, I want to make a point for Mac Jones and I was pissed last night and I'm still a little ticked off today. I don't think Mac Jones at 15 is a bad pick. In fact, it's a very good value, but the reason I'm upset about the pick is because we did not move up for Justin Fields when he was on the board at 11. That is just astounding to me that we did not do that. And that's why I'm going to compare Mac Jones to Justin Fields for the rest of their careers. And, you know, I'm rooting for Mac. I think he'd be successful in this system, but my thing is, Justin Fields has the tools to win you a Super Bowl and be a league MVP. And obviously it's a little bit of a risk and he's got a low floor, but Mac Jones has a high floor, but I don't think he has the guy, you know, I think at best he's healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, which we've seen can't win you a Super Bowl can barely stay on the field. First of all, Um, you know, I was saying to my friends last night, I would at this point with Justin Fields off the board with Trey Lance off the board, I would have loved Trey Lance too, by the way, I would rather go get Jimmy, you know, if it's possible still, because I've been kind of telling people like Jimmy's not the answer, but if it comes to be down between Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo, I would rather have the semi, you know, the more proven commodity in Jimmy Garoppolo than, you know, uh, Mac Jones, who hasn't played in the NFL yet. Now, I think he, like I said, I think he can be a guy who's good. I think he was a very good college player. He could be a, you know, good NFL starting quarterback, maybe above average at best, but I just, think he's limited by his athleticism I hate the fact that he literally looks like a Lego figure um just the kid gained all the weight in his torso there's nothing in his arms and legs astounding to me um but I just think he doesn't have that you know it factor that can take us over the top I think he's a guy who we're going to be a wild card team maybe if Bills have a down year we can win the east but I don't see us making AFC championship games I don't see us winning Super Bowls with him and I hope it proves me wrong, but I, Justin Fields, give up a first round pick and that guy can win you Super Bowls. You might, he might bust, who knows, but I'd rather them take the risk and try to win Super Bowls. That's the point of the NFL. That's 
why we are fans of teams because we want them to win Super Bowls. I don't want my team to go to the playoffs every year. I don't want my team to, you know, win 11 games or, you know, 10 games every year and be consistent. I want my team to win Super Bowls. I don't care if we have to suck for a little while. I want championships. Now I'm yeah. a self Pats fan, but I don't think that's too much to ask for, for my team to want to win Super Bowls. Yeah, and I'll, the the only thing I'll push back on that is a little bit of what Mike said. By the way, and to, to your point earlier about the draft going long, I meant to mention this, but um, you know that there was there was some stuff to back this up because I, I think Reese said that the pick, if it was if the draft went as long as it did last year, it should have happened at nine forty five, and it happened a full half hour later, which is a lot in terms of like <laughs> one pick moving that much, and it was just those those fans coming on stage and the whoever else you oh, know was, delivering the pick. Was it was just yeah. dumb. And introducing them every single time. And like, it's like, come on, we get it at this point. But even still, uh, also from Mike Reese, which I wanted to mention, was that like three days or four days before the draft, he was talking about who the Patriots would take. And he was asked, like, you know, what does your insight tell you about who the Patriots might like here? And he said, and Mike Reese is plugged in as anybody. Like, Mike Reese yes, is, is like, if you're going to trust anybody, trust Mike Reese with everything that you hear from him. He said, the, to me, it all comes back to Mac Jones on the, yeah. the quarterback Patriots were interested in because the Patriots. I, mean, I, I was saying for months that you know this is going to happen probably, and again, I, I'm not mad that it happened. I'm mad that Fields was there and we could have yeah. taken him. That's the I think that's what most New England fans are pissed off about. I think if Fields went at eight, nine, ten, something like that, and it was just off the board, and we're like, all right, what you know what, whatever, a quarterback needy team took him, you know, we'd all be fine. We'd all be like, all right, let's get on the Mac train, but. No, it's he. He was there. We, we yeah. had a shot, and I just, I, mean, I legitimately don't believe that you couldn't outbid Chicago. Listen, don't get me wrong. In the moment, I wanted Justin Fields too, and I still mm -hmm. wish they had moved up for Justin Fields. But I, I, you know, Matt, like Mike reset. They, they like the accuracy of Mac Jones. They like that type of quarterback right. more than anything. And you compared him to Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, I mean, we we talk about you know Jimmy Garoppolo not being good enough to win you Super Bowl. But he got you there. I mean, he got the yeah. 49ers there. And I understand there was a lot there was a lot of things that helped him do that. You know, he's had a lot working in his favor. Favor. But at the same time, the Patriots have a lot working in their favor right now with the rest of their roster. And they have a better coach than the Niners did. And they don't have a coach like Kyle Shanahan, who's blown a couple Super Bowls now in his time, if you include what he did with Atlanta, uh, which I think I people could. So, you know, I, th I personally, if, if we're going to do the Mac Jones versus Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I'd take Mac Jones because one, he's way cheaper, and two, he had he's more highly touted out of college than Garoppolo was, and I think he has better tools than Garoppolo does. I think that they, you know, they're, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. But I still look at it and I say, okay, I think this guy can Bill Belichick can mold this guy as he wanted to with Jimmy Garoppolo, like coming in as, as the player that he is and in the situation he is. It does. He does have Tom Brady in front of him, but I, you know, I don't know how much of a difference that makes and, and whether or not that, that was, you know, a, a world of difference or not, but being groomed by Bill Belichick, I think Mac Jones has just as good, if not better of a chance to succeed as Jimmy Garoppolo did when he was in that situation. So that's why I'm okay with it. And I think that, you know, on top of that, playing a quarterback and starting a quarterback on a rookie contract and having that, you know, set oh, for a while, this part. <laughs> that is, and, and, you know, it would have been the same case with Justin Fields. So, you know, I, I'm just talking about the Jimmy Garoppolo versus Mac Jones thing. If we're just, if we're just talking about those two, let's, let's pretend we're in a world where they didn't like Justin Fields for whatever reason, they don't like the athletic quarterback. They passed on Lamar Jackson. They don't like that type of quarterback. They want the pocket passer. Okay. <laughs> if that's the case, I think you take Mac Jones versus Jimmy Garoppolo pretty much every time because of those factors. And we see so many of these teams 
that have won recent years have had cost-effective, you know, yeah. uh, options at quarterback. And that's the reason they've, they've gone where they have. I mean, even uh, the Chiefs, when they won, they had you know, Patrick Mahomes at cost. Oh, nice you know, now that's changed in, in recent years. But, you know, <laughs> uh, the, you know the, the Mahomes thing and uh, the Wilson when they won, and there's other examples I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But that's, the, I mean, uh, Jared Goff with the Rams when they went to the Super Bowl and almost won. Like, that's uh, a, you know, a system and a, a strategy that has consistently worked for winning football games. So I, I'm hopeful that it can be the same situation with Mac Jones. I agree. And I'm very hopeful for, I want everything you just said to be true. I just, I have my doubts and I just, you know, I'm, I wanted my guy. That's all I want, but I'll, I mean, we'll move on from this, but I did hear one quote from Daniel Jeremiah last week and it just, this was what hurt my Mac Jones argument. And it, it blew my mind when he said it. And I think I'll share it here, but he said, what can Mac Jones do better than Daniel Jones Mm. coming out as prospects? And that just blew my mind because I'm like, man, Daniel Jones is more athletic. Daniel Jones has the better arm, just as smart. He worked with some of the best college coaches in America, David Cutliffe and Duke. He coached both of the Manning brothers, like just like kind of that, I was like, man, now that that just hurt everything that I want to believe in Mac Jones. And Daniel Jeremy, I, was, I think he's one of the best evaluators out there, and he'll be a GM soon, I bet. And he had Mac as a late first-round pick, and I think that's just accurate. And I think just let's temper expectations, New England fans. You know, let's – I want this guy to be successful. I want him to start day one at this point. You know, I'm, I'm off the cam train. You know, anyone but cam has been what I'm saying for a while, but – you know, let's, we'll see what he does. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm rooting for you, Mac. I'd like to see, you know, get some abs because my God, the birthing hips that he's got, man, that was, oh my he reminded me of like a high school principal going to break up a fight last night when he was <laughs> walking. So we got to work on that, but you know what? Go Mac. I believe in you. Not going to buy your jersey yet, but make me want to. Well, look, this is what I'll say about the thing about Mac Jones and Daniel Jones. Okay. Mac Jones, a lot more accurate than Daniel Jones, much more accurate and a lot less turnover prone. And I know you're going to bring up the weapons, but, you know, the, the weapons are, are definitely helpful. Uh, it definitely helped Mac Jones have a better year, but it didn't stop him from throwing ducks that would have been picked off, uh, you know, at, at any time. And he was playing against much better defense that defenses than, than Daniel Jones was. So, well, you know, I think I'm not going to discount the fact that Mac Jones was helped by his weapons. I think that element of his game has just been a little bit overrated because I think, you know, the fact that he's as accurate as he is still has to put it on him. You know, if he underthrows him by five yards, that ball is getting picked off, you know, and then the fact that it didn't, and I know that, you know, it's easy when your receivers are getting five yards of separation at the time, but even still, like, I think that part has, because he's played, played with such great players, he, he is, you know, as a result, he's his, you know, what he has accomplished has been taken a hit a little bit, which was Heisman finalist, 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four picks last year. No, I mean, he had a great year. That's that's not something you can take away from him. Yeah, insane, insane numbers. And I just think I think the Daniel Jones comparison. <laughs> it's fun with the last names, but I don't really see it a lot. I mean, Daniel it's Jones more is way just more the prospect themselves. The actual, you know, you take away the stats and everything, but that was just quite the shocker for me because I just yeah. never thought about it that way. And then he dropped that, and it's like this is one of the best evaluators in the game saying this. So just astounding to me i mean it is scary because i mean i don't like daniel jones either so and i believe me i you know i i trust daniel jeremiah too i think he's one of the best as well i just think that 
it's a, it, it doesn't work for me. It's a, it's not something I I I I, I understand. Like I th- I think the I hope the last name didn't suck him in too much because that's <laughs> the fun thing about that. But I I mean you know and uh, we'll see if uh, it ends up it ends up working out or not. The fact but the fact is I think this is what the Patriots wanted. I have to believe that because again if, if I I. I I hate that I have to agree with you. Yeah, I understand that Bill Belichick likes to do things his way, doesn't want to trade up, doesn't want to give up extra value, yada, 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 all those things. Fine, fine. But I think, as you kind of mentioned, and I think we got, uh, like, we we, we, um, forgot about this because Mac Jones was, you know, penciled in at three for so long. We forgot about the fact that, hey, this, like, three months ago, there was questions about whether this guy would be a first-round pick at all. You know, and not, not just, you know, whether it be the 15th pick or not. There was like, the, the, people were talking about, should the Patriots take this guy in the second round, not the first round. And that there was some, you know, that was starting to grow a little bit as Mac Jones continued to rise up the board. But I think overall, like the thing that, that kind of stuns me about this whole Mac Jones situation is, um, as I'm, try- I'm trying to remember it now, I just lost my train of thought. But I mean, I, I think the idea that Jones comes in as a guy that, you know, they they just like a lot of tools about him. They like, you know, they, 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 they their mold of quarterback. Like, I think that that's, that's what Belichick really wanted about it. Cause it, it to me that that move up the board, I like, I think this is what I was getting at was that, you know, the, the whole idea of Belichick not wanting to give that value. I understand that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the fact that he, he might've reached on Mac Jones, he might've genuinely reached on Mac Jones because that's, you know, like we said, he wasn't that high a month ago. So he took the quarterback and a lot of people had questions of, would Bill Belichick ever take a quarterback in the first round? Would he take Mac Jones at 15? Because he's never taken a quarterback that high. And quarterbacks are often drafted ahead of where they would be on the big board. You know, that happens all the time. Would Bill Belichick, you know, uh, allow himself to do that? And I think he proved last night that he would. So with that being the case, I think if Bill Belichick, like Justin Fields, he would have traded up to do that because I think he he basically like you know lost value if you want to say it that way with a big board anyway by drafting Mac Jones where he did so I don't think he would have had any problem moving up considering what he actually did does that make sense yeah no I get it again I think the whole thing from my end is I think he's wrong <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> I know it's blasphemous but you know what no you know what you know what Jason it's, it's not because Jason the way the drafts have gone in recent years with Bill Belichick, like, I don't, I don't think it's unfair of you to say I mean, anything. Wrong. Yeah. We, we have earned the right to question him on some of his moves as a general manager in the draft. I was reading something like people do, he can't, he doesn't drafted well in years and you know, it's fair enough. And you hope, you hope that he's making the right decisions. You know, he's earned the reputation to be able to back it up and take some risks. But I mean, the fact is like, we've had some really bad drafts and we're making up for it with veterans right now. So We'll see. Again, let's go Mac. Yeah. I really hope he signs the McDonald's endorsement immediately. Yeah. Real I, just, quick, I do want to, uh, I do want to look at some of the comments we got earlier. I haven't been uh, pinned. And then, oh, oh, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, I got a, that was, that was a close one. I got to make sure I plug in my laptop. If the stream crashed at, uh, at 30 minutes, that would have been bad. That would have been a bad, bad situation, but I got, I caught it at 3%. So I think we're good. Um, there we go. Yeah, Thanks, it's some time. But um, some of the comments, thankfully, I uh, I, I lucked out by, by looking at that. It's gear was in there talking to, talking to us. It's gear always seems to draw the streams. Um, for us to get fields, we got to give up another first round pick. Probably don't think BB likes that. We just talked about that, and everybody Jack's yeah. saying wanted fields too. So I mean, what we just talked about basically, everybody kind of wanted fields, and we'll just have to see 
if Belichick's right on that. But I want to talk about a few more things about the draft before we wrap up here. Um, as a, and I, 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 uh, as it relates to some of uh, what you thought of uh, the rest of the picks, um, I want to know. Let's let's just go through real quick. Uh, what was your favorite pick of the night? What did you think uh, was the one that uh, stood out to you the most? Is as something you know you thought a team got a steal, or I know you talked about uh, Dallas getting the best defender in the class. I don't know if that's it. If it was something else, but which pick did you uh, give the highest grade to? Um, well, highest grade. Let me think. I got to think on this one. I mean, there were a lot that I really liked. You know, I think one that jumps off the bat immediately is San Francisco taking Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones. I think that was the best decision. And my God, good for Kyle Shanahan because there's been rumors that like. San Fran leaks their picks every year. You know, we knew Nick Bosa was going to be the pick. Everyone knew Debo Samuel was a favorite, but man, they they fooled everybody. So that one, you know, I think that's just high upside. And, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan has learned the lesson of, you know, I can't win with Kirk Cousins type of quarterbacks. I need to add that mobile aspect to it. Um, So that one was one I loved. I love the Derisaw pick um, of Minnesota trading down from 14 to 23 and still getting a guy who, I valued as I thought it was going to be a top 15 pick, at least top 20, um, just because of the need for offensive tackles. This dude's a big dude who can play left or right tackle. Like that's a great move for them and to pick up that kind of value. Um, so that was one of my favorites. I also love Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore. I think he's just, he's the type of receiver that Lamar Jackson needs to be successful. Um, a guy who's really high on our boards. I think I had him going to the Patriots at one point during one of my mocks really early on, and then his value kind of dropped, but that dude can play. So those were, you know, definitely some of my favorites. I think the Lance has to be the best one for me just because you moved up, you made everybody think you were going to mess it up and they get a guy who is perfect for Shanahan system. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo and him competing. I think Jimmy will start, but, if they come out week one and say that Trey Lance is the starter, I'm picking him as offensive rookie of the year. All right. I like it. I, I agree with you. I think the Trey Lance pick was really, really interesting. I think Lance or Fields, I would have liked for them because I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what, you know, I, I really want to see what Kyle Shanahan, who I think is a great offensive coordinator as much as I just bassed him. I think he's a, gr- a great offensive coach. And I, I, I was excited to see what he could do with a different type of quarterback. And I, I you know, I'm mm-hmm. just really interested to see what, but it'll be with Trey Lance and Trey Lance. Look, as much as you know, you want to say you played at a smaller school and you did all that. I mean, twenty touchdowns and zero picks is crazy. So I don't care where. Marshall Lynch played there too, and you know what? I know he had a bad year last year, but he was an MVP candidate for like multiple years. So let's just like don't don't discount the small schools. I've learned that the hard, you know, I've learned that, and I'm just not going to do it anymore. The dude can play. The dude can play. Um, and I'll throw in another one too that I just love because I I noticed it on my notes and I just got to say it. Sewell to Detroit, him dropping a seven is astounding. Um, this dude could be a Hall of Famer, going to be the probably the best left tackle in all of football in a matter of years, and he'll be there for ten. So Dan Campbell, just this was the easiest pick in the draft. I think you just you can't hesitate to take a guy like that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and you're right. I mean, uh, Sertain was a guy that, or um, I'm sorry, uh, Sewell was a guy that you always knew no matter who was going to take him. Like, you know, it's not the flashiest pick, obviously, because it's not You're getting the winner, though. But it's going to be a guy that you can trust on your team for 12 years. And, you know, with Detroit, we got to be careful with that because, you know, we know they've had some players that could, you know, they they think they're going to be on the team for a long time and they you might retire early, especially when they're great. So we hope that doesn't happen with Penny Sewell. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in theory, he should be a guy that's on the stable for them for at least a decade and and can, you know, uh, keep whatever quarterback they're going to have 
and the future upright. And, uh, you know, who really cares if it's Jared Goff this season or not? You know, it's about yeah. the next guy that steps in there. But, um, you know, a good pick to, to solidify it now and get a guy that's going to help you down the road a little bit. Um, but, you know, would you rather take the quarterback there? I don't know. I You know, they, right? I think they have to I just look at it. It's too early in, the process, in their rebuild process to take a quarterback. No rookie's going to go in there and be successful. You have Jared Goff. You're paying him anyway. So you might as well ride him out for a little bit. Fill out the roster. Get some playmakers. They have no wide receivers. And now I know they have round two, two, three, four. Like, you know, they can get some guys, but you got to fill out the roster. You cannot put a rookie back there. He will have nothing. Yeah. You know, we saw what, a you know, Joe Burrow had with, you know, last year in Cincinnati, and he was nearly killed. Now, I think that offensive line improved a little bit through free agency, and I think they can pick up a guy in day two. But, like, you just – you have to have some sort of structure for a rookie. So getting a franchise left tackle is a very good start. Yeah. Um, all right. What was your least favorite pick of the night? Ah, uh, man. There you were. can't say Mac Jones, by the way. It's, it's not. It's not. Again, I think, again, with the fact that Fields fell, that's the only reason I'm unhappy about the Mac Jones pick. But this is something I predicted for a long time. Um, in terms of my least favorites, I mean, the Raiders do this every year. They take a guy who is a second or third round player and they take him in the mid first. Alex Leatherwood. If he's if he made it to the late first, maybe I get it, but they need they just want guys from big schools who are big, and it's just it's such a reach for him. Um, the Eric Stokes pick with Green Bay, you literally just had a report that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, and you apparently want to keep him. Why in the world are you taking a cornerback who's a second round player at at the end of the first like? That's just, you know, if I'm the GM of Green Bay, I have to imagine the thought process going in is, oh, Aaron wants to leave. You know what? I'm just going to insult him even more. I'm going to, you know, just slap him across the face with this pick. Let's take a, let's reach on a cornerback who's just really fast. Um, no offense to Stokes. I mean, I'm sure he'll be a fine player. And I think I had him, I had him as a round two guy, but not a first rounder. So that was just not a good move, especially with a guy like Elijah Moore on the board still, you know, just a wide receiver they could have really used. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think this one has to be my least favorite pick so far. Um, and it's Travis Etienne going to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't like Etienne as a player. I think he was going to go high second round. You know, I like him. I love the fact that they're pairing it with Trevor Lawrence, actually. That's the only reason this isn't an F for me. But you don't take running backs in the first round, especially not the second, maybe third best one. You know, Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh. I get it at least. I don't love it, but I get it. But – you have James Robinson, who yep. UD, UDFA. Um, I hope I put those letters in the right order. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and by the way, James Robinson, to, to your point, a perfect example of why you don't take running backs. Exactly. Thousand-yard rusher, nearly rookie of the year. Like, come on. You're paying him nothing. You brought in Carlos Hyde as the backup. You know, he's fine. He's He was a thousand-yard rusher a couple years ago, um, and he knows Urban Meyer. And I totally get if Jacksonville wanted to take a running back here, but you have so many needs you need to fill out in that offense. You need a tackle. You need another wide receiver. You need a tight end. I, I predicted Pat Fryermuth here. I actually could see them taking him at 45 or 33 to, uh, tonight. Um, you need defense. You need a safety. Trayvon Morig would have been great here. Morig, I think I'm getting that one right. Um, they need an edge rusher. You know, you could have taken a pass rusher here. Why, why did you take a running back? I mean, I get it. ETN's good, but I know, and Urban Meyer coming out and saying he's going to be the third down back. I don't think that means anything. I think he's going to be the starter. I think he just wants to make Robinson and Hyde feel a little better about themselves. Um, 
but you just, there's no value here. This is a bad pick. I get pairing them up. I get it's going to make Trevor Lawrence comfortable and I get Etienne is a good player, but you have a bunch of other things that you need to cover. Just get, you could have taken him at probably 30, even if they took him first pick tonight, that would have been fine. That would have been fine, but you're just passing up guys. And I can't support taking a running back in the first round. So that is, that's my least favorite along with those other two. I mean, they're just, they're bad picks. It's not good value. Like, it's huge reaches. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about a couple of those real quick. So let's talk about um, Stokes for a second because I, I, you know, I wonder, I understand what you're saying, but you know, you're talking about how fast he is and the fact that they took him in the first place. I wonder how much of taking him was a, 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 as a result of the fact of Kevin King being burnt every single play, it feels like in that championship game being literally burnt into their memory, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and uh, you know, you just want a guy that's not going to get run past yeah. because I, get it. I mean, I just think there's better guys on the board at this rate. Tyson yeah, Campbell. As, as, much as, we talk about, as much as we talk about the fact that they still need weapons for Aaron Rodgers, you could, I mean, I think it's fair to say the reason they lost that game was pretty much, I mean, the number one reason oh, yeah. was probably Kevin King. You could really fix your second for that at least. Again, I think it comes down to just, you got to look at your board and, you know, Maybe Green Bay really just loves Stokes. I, I get it. The speed is there. But it just seems like there's a lot better players left on the board. Whether you want to go cornerback, Elijah Moore is a hell of a player. And I just – I don't get why you pass up a guy like that. Maybe I get it. If you want to find a wide receiver late in the draft, that's fine. Take a better – just take a better player. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Just take a better guy, whether it's Asante Samuel Jr. or Tyson Campbell – um, or Kelvin Joseph or something like that. You know, I just, I don't think Stokes deserves to be at this pick. And also again, you just, Aaron Rodgers is leaving, but you definitely want to keep him. Just show him at least a sign, you know, don't it's, I, I saw, it was like a Joel Klatt tweet and he was saying Packers have done everything wrong. They've, you know, flirted with every girl at the party. They gave their number to one when they drafted Jordan Love last year. Like just spend a night at home. Get a wide receiver, cuddle up, watch a movie. I don't fucking know. Just be yeah. nice to him. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's that's a good one. I mean, that's that's funny. Um, and and then uh, the on the ETN pick. I mean, I agree with you pretty much wholeheartedly. I would not have done that at all. But I'll play devil advocate a little bit, and I'll say, I think that there's a chance that the idea there is to play both of those guys the same way that Cleveland does with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, with you know James Robinson being your Nick Chubb and uh, ETN being your Kareem Hunt. And that worked really, really well for Cleveland last year. And I think, you know, part of it could also be what you're kind of talking about, about Jacksonville, you know, having Trevor Lawrence, they don't want to get him killed in year one. So they might want to do be, you know, a little bit run heavy year one while they're still building up their team and building up, you know, a safe environment for Trevor Lawrence to succeed instead of, you know, dropping him back 50 yeah. times a game, and letting him get killed. So I think I, I understand it from those two standpoints. And I think that, you know, in theory, Etienne and Robinson could be a really good tandem, just like we saw in Cleveland and that led into the playoffs last year. No, I agree. Again, for me, it's it's value. Like you can get these guys later. You can you clearly James Robinson is the perfect example that you can find players who can, you know, do whatever you need to do late later in the draft. And I just you gotta and I think you have to invest in more, you know what's the word I'm looking for important offensive positions running back is 
you know, it's not as important a position when it comes to drafting anymore. I think we all understand that. Unless it's a top 10 prospect, I don't think you need to take one in round one. Najee Harris, I get why he went in round one. I wouldn't have taken him there. Yeah. Pittsburgh I mean, has a lot of needs. They need an offensive tackle. And guess what? A lot of them fell. Tevin Jenkins, um, you know, is a perfect example. Like, why is this guy still available? Um, there's a lot of good offensive linemen still on the board. So, you know, we just look at positional value. Now I'll, I'll go back and say, I've been a guy who was, you know, pounding the table for Jamar Chase to go to Cincinnati over Penny Sewell. And my reasoning was, you know, the elite wide receiver is more valuable than the offensive tackle that you can find a good one in round two, but it, it's, that's comparing, you know, wide receivers and offensive tackles running backs. I'm sorry. They're way down the pecking order. Yep. And speaking of, I want to get to the second round too and what you expect there. Cincinnati, you, I mean, you just kind of mentioned it. They have, they're in a pretty good situation come second round because I there are, are a lot of good tackles left on the board, offensive line they could potentially take and pair with Jamar Chase. And then suddenly you might be talking about them as some of, one of the big winners of the draft. I think so. Sorry, I, I zoned out for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Cincinnati is setting themselves up really well. And I think my, for the last week, I've been pounding the table saying, like, you get a value, like, Sam Cosme in the second round and Jamar Chase. That's that's the best draft I could picture for them, and it's still a very realistic possibility. They might get somebody better. Tevin Jenkins could be there for them, and, like, he's a plug-in right tackle who could potentially play left. You know, a lot of these guys, you might be able to swing to guard. Who knows? But, I mean, man, they are just – they killed it last night, I think. Yeah. Um, anything else you're looking for in the second round uh, tonight or the third round, if you want to go there as well? You know, there's a lot of good players left on the board, a lot of good wide receivers. Um, Elijah Moore, how he's still there is beyond me. Um, you know, as a Pats fan, I really want a guy to drop the 46. Um, Terrace Marshall Jr., Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Tylon Wallace. There's just so many 